Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody? Another episode of Believe in Ravens on the Believe Network. I'm Kyrie Thompson. We got a big one to talk about this week. The 2 and one Ravens go on to face the 2 and one Cleveland Browns on the road. A chance for the Ravens to redeem their overtime loss against the Colts in week three and get back on top in the AFC North. Let's get right into it. First of all, let's start off with a new addition. We got a new face in town for the Baltimore Ravens. They just signed veteran pass rusher, veteran outside linebacker, Kyle Van Noy. He was a guy who visited the Ravens earlier on in the offseason, left without a contract, but came back to visit again, and they signed him. I imagine he's probably ready to fit in right away. He's probably been working out, staying busy. Uh, Kyle Van Noy is a guy that I covered during my time with the New England Patriots, and uh, he, he had been a Patriot for, for a little while, had his best years of his career, I would say, in New England. He was with the Lions originally when he, when he first came out. Solid player. I mean, I, I think that this has definitely got something to do with the fact that Adafe Owe and David Ajabo are trending towards being out this week. Neither one of them practiced on Wednesday or Thursday. Not a good sign. So you need some veterans. You, you need some help there on the edge. And Kyle Van Noy is, is just a, he's a solid player, man. So last year he was with the Los Angeles Chargers after a couple of years bouncing around. He was, he was with New England from 2016 to 2019, goes over to Miami for a season, then goes back to the New England Patriots and had and has a solid year and then goes on to the Chargers. His best years have, have definitely been with the Patriots. Again, it's just kind of an all-around player, right? When you look at an outside linebacker or you know, kind of edge defender, you're thinking of a guy, oh, does he get after the passer? He certainly can. He's got five or more sacks in each of the last four seasons. He had five uh, from 2020, 2021, 2022, had seven in 2019 with the New England Patriots. So he's a guy who can give you a little bit of that 32 pressures last year. I think his main value just comes from being able to, I, I think, defend all the way around. He can defend the run. He can set the edge. He's a big sturdy guy out there. And especially when you have quarterbacks like a Deshaun Watson that do break contain, they like to get out of the pocket. I feel like from, from my time watching him, Kyle Van Noy is really good when it comes to containing players like that. If you get out of the pocket, he's smart enough to, to not get outflanked. He will be in your face. He will make you throw the football. And especially if you've got boot action kinds of plays, Van Noy is the kind of guy who will be in your face. If you're booting to his side and you think that he's going he's gonna to let you off easy, you know, he's going to you know, get suckered into the fake. No, nah, man, dude's a professional. He will be right there. He will make you get the ball out of your hands, and he's going to be tough to run around. Now, teams in, in the past have tried to get him matched up in coverage on running backs and tight ends and such, and the Patriots trusted him to do that. I, I wonder if that's something the Ravens are going to do much of, if they're going to just kind of keep him in more of a traditional outside linebacker edge guy up on the line of scrimmage. Do your thing right there. That's what I would do. And I think he would be very well suited for that kind of role, especially since you've got linebackers like Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen to cover guys coming out of the backfield. You don't necessarily need Kyle Van Noy for that. So I think this I think this is a good fit for the Ravens. I feel like it comes at a very opportune time. 
And look, the you know, I was skeptical of the Jadevian Clowney signing. I think Jadevian Clowney's contributed more than I expected in terms of you know being able to disrupt. Again, he was he's always a good run defender, but again, being able to disrupt and get pressure on the quarterback, got to get the guys on the ground. Um, and, and we saw we saw a play last week against the Colts where he has a big hit in the backfield on a running back, but doesn't wrap him up, bring him to the ground. So that's something Clowney's got to be better at. But I do think that he's been a bit more impactful than perhaps I expected. I think these veteran signings for the Ravens, they know what they're looking for. I think they know what kind of, of players is a fit for them, how they want to deploy them. And I think this is going to work out for the Ravens. I mean, you need something to work out for the Ravens in terms of, of pass rush here because you're going to be missing your most disruptive pass rusher in Adafi Owe, most likely, and you're also not going to have David Ajabo. So you've got to have some kind of depth there. Um, there's there's a chart out there that measures team efficiency in the trenches in terms of pass plays specifically because the average you know kind of pass rush uh, you know, like kind of time for a pass rush win is say, did you hold your block? Did you sustain your block for 2.5 seconds? Or, you know, if you, you lose in under 2.5 seconds. So I think, you know, quick pressure is going to be something under that. Like, did you get to him in under 2.5 seconds or what have you? Um, and the Ravens have actually done a solid job of that. I think if I had to guess, I, I think there's probably a good bit of that that is generated from blitzing. And sending Roquan Smith or, you know, sending Kyle Hamilton off the edge, right? They've deployed their defensive backs and their linebackers in really interesting ways to get after quarterbacks. So I think that's probably going to be part of it. I think that they know what they've got in, in their front right now isn't necessarily, they don't have game wreckers that you could just send for every single time and get pressure on the quarterback. So I think that as long as, as Van Noy does the things that, you know, are kind of within his capability, set the edge, push the pocket when you can, stop guys from, you know, like a Deshaun Watson from, from breaking the pocket, keep him in there, make him throw the football. I think that's very useful. Now, let's get on to the other side of the ball here for the Cleveland Browns. Now, this is, this is going to be really interesting because as of right now, Friday morning, when, when this is being recorded, the Ravens have not gotten a, a full day of practice yet out of Ronnie Stanley and Tyler Linderbaum, but they are at least back in practice this week. Limited participation on Wednesday and Thursday. That's that's good. This, this These are good signs. I feel like in particular, you really want to see Ronnie, Ronnie Stanley be able to play this week, though. Again, Patrick McCarry is going to have to be ready to go um, because Ronnie Stanley's constantly seems to have, you know, nicks and bumps and bruises. And even if he comes back and starts the game, he might not make it through the game. And he especially might not make it through the game because he's going to have Miles Garrett coming after him. This is this is going to be an issue for for this team. And remember that chart that I referenced in terms of the Ravens generating a lot of quick pressure. They, they, they've done a solid job relative to the rest of the league in that regard. They have been not as good when it comes to keeping quick pressure off of their own quarterback. 
And there's nobody quite as good at generating quick pressure on your quarterback as Miles Garrett. I mean, like literally just without breaking stride, he will push your left tackle or your guard or your center right into your quarterback's lap. He is an absolute fiend. His get off is crazy. Right. I mean, this is this is going to be a tough matchup no matter who who's blocking him. And, and, and this this also goes for either side, right? I mean, there might be some plays where he doesn't want to just come off the left side, especially if Stanley plays. Like, maybe he goes after Morgan Moses, too. We've seen looks where he's mugged up in the A-gap. I mean, please, God, one would hope that Tyler Linderbaum is able to play because I really, really don't want to see Miles Garrett coming downhill at Sam Mustafer. That That's just, you know, put the kids to bed. No one needs to see this level stuff. So you hope for health here, but in any case, whether your guys are healthy or not, this is going to be a very interesting game plan for the Baltimore Ravens. I almost wonder if it will be something more similar to what we saw in week one versus what we saw in week two against the Bengals, where they don't necessarily, the Bengals didn't necessarily have anybody from a pass rush perspective that you're that worried about. Um, I mean, Trey Hendrickson, good player, but not an elite player. Will Anderson, the number three overall pick in this draft in week one, got after it when when it came to to getting after Lamar Jackson and, and creating pressure. And I believe he got a sack in that game. I mean, he's the real deal. He's, he's very good, young, explosive, et cetera. I think that the Ravens looked at week one, and some of it was just vanilla week one. You're feeling it out. Get the ball into the hands of your playmakers. Don't need to you know, do anything crazy. But I think they looked at that defense and said, look, you got D'Amico Ryan's coaching you. You got some good you know, developing talent on that side of the ball. Let's not mess around here. Get the ball out of Lamar's hands, into the hands of Zay Flowers, whom I think this is going to be another week where you're going to see some smoke screens. You're going to see some end arounds. You're going to see stuff where it's like, let, let's try to beat you horizontally in this one. Make Miles Garrett, make these guys run, make them chase, tire them out. Okay. Wear them down and then slow, artificially slow down the pass rush by grinding plays out, making them chase from sideline to sideline, and then maybe seeing if you can get some down-the-field shots selectively once you've got Garrett tired out or if they get him out of the game for a breather or two. I think that's probably going to end up being the strategy because, look, when when, when I, I was talking about that, that graph as well, the second-best team in the NFL right now, I mean, the, the Cowboys are the runaway best team in terms of generating quick pressure on quarterbacks. The Browns are second. And they're, they're second just ahead of the New York Jets, who have a tremendous defense. And I think that the the Jets' defense on the whole is better than, than what the Browns have. But the Browns have Miles Garrett, and, and he's going to be responsible for a lot of this. So to me, that's the strategy, all right? Don't have Lamar Jackson doing five and seven step drops against this defense. I, I, I think I don't think Todd Munkin is going to do that kind of thing. Don't put him in harm's way. Quick game, spread him out, get the ball into your playmaker's hands, and and get get those screens blocked up and gash them for big plays that way. And the other thing to keep in mind here too, 
is that it, it, it's once again trending towards Odell Beckham Jr. not being able to play with, with an injury of his own. He's not participated in practice the last couple of days. I believe he's got, he's got an ankle injury. So that's also going to mean some interesting things for the wide receiver core. Like I think that Zay Flowers is is a good developing player. He was the best player on the field to me on the offensive side of the ball in week one. He can definitely run all the routes. He can run routes from the slot. He can run routes outside, all of that. But if he's drawing Denzel Ward, how often do you want to test that with a rookie? Because Denzel Ward isn't necessarily the, the highest graded guy out there in terms of corners, especially as he gave up a long touchdown that, you know, was dinged him. Um, but I think that he's done really well when you consider the fact that he's one of the most targeted quarterbacks. But I think he's, but I think he's done well when you consider the fact that he's one of the most targeted cornerbacks in the league, and he's only giving up about fifty percent in terms of of his completion percentage. So that could be a tough straw to draw for Zay Flowers in his fourth ever NFL game. Um, when you're looking a little bit on the shorthanded side in terms of receivers, obviously you still got good depth. You got Nelson Aguilar who had a good game in week two, but he's not necessarily a guy that I'm looking at as, oh yeah, he's going to be your number two receiver in this game. Rashad Bateman, stand up. Let's see what you got. So this is going to be, I, I think, a game where you want to leverage your talent and your speed, your newfound talent and speed on, on the outside, and you're going to want to run the football. Now, with that in mind, had had some concerns about the way that the offensive game plan unfolded in week three. I don't know that it's necessarily long-term concern, but it is stuff that I want to talk about. So, I mean, when you look at what the weather situation was coming into the game, we're supposed to be you know, soggy, wet conditions. I can understand not throwing the ball a ton, but... Now the, the Ravens are getting back into that running back situation that, that they didn't want to be in, right? Having J.K. Dobbins back was supposed to really help out this running back room. Obviously, he's now gone for the season with, with an Achilles tear. And so now you're back to Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, and then obviously you've got Kenyon Drake and Melvin Gordon, who was elevated from the, the practice squad last week. You're still waiting on Keaton Mitchell to come back. He will be eligible to return off of IR next week if that is his fate. Uh, I would love to see him in a game uh, because, again, he's one of those electric field-stretching guys that you would love to have. Now, when, when you look at last week, and yeah, the Ravens had over 100 yards on the ground, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Lamar Jackson was the biggest piece of that. And you know, he had like a, over 100 yards rushing, two touchdowns. This is okay. You, you love to see that kind of dynamic play from, from your quarterback who can do things running the football that just not many people can. And I mean, this, this, this is something that I, I've looked at across the league where you have like Jalen Hurts, right? And Justin Fields. Jalen Hurts is a strong, powerful runner. He's not necessarily the fastest guy, but he's strong, right? And Justin Fields is just, he's probably the fastest quarterback out there right now, Lamar Jackson included. But Lamar Jackson blends what they do plus 
his elusiveness is incredible and his patience and his ability to set up blocks like he did on his first touchdown. I mean, there, there's no quarterback in the game doing it the way that he does. But look, all right, you look at aside from Lamar Jackson, you had Gus Edwards with 11 carries, for 51 yards, and then you had Melvin Gordon, 10 carries for 32 yards. That's not that's not great. OK, you don't want to be in the situation where Lamar Jackson is carrying the ball 14 times. I mean, some again, some of this is scrambles. It's not all designed runs, but you don't I, I, I made a deal of the fact, not necessarily a big deal, but I did bring up the fact that Lamar Jackson did not have any designed runs in week one. I had I had no problem with it because, again, it's kind of a feel-out game. Let's get out of this one. It's against the Texans. We should beat them. We're the better team, blah, 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 right? Well, they have, they have started to tick up Lamar Jackson's designed carries in the past couple of games. And, and again, I am... I am good with with that. But I mean, again, it was what seven, seven carries, seven design carries last week, and then a couple of scrambles. I I think that's probably an acceptable number, but again, it's starting to, to tick up, right? So it was no no design carries at all in in week one. Then you had three design carries in week two seven last week. Some of that just has to do with flow of the game and conditions, blah, blah, blah. You know, you you, you got to run the ball, control the clock. Let's get out of here with the win. Obviously, it didn't turn out that way. But you really don't want to get into a situation where Lamar Jackson is, is once again your quarterback and your best running back. So I want to see those outside weapons that I was talking about, smoke screens, you know, quick game, stuff like that. I want to see them be able to create yards after the catch so that you can get the ball, use it as an extension of the running game so that you don't have to run Lamar Jackson as much. And then again, where you got Justice Hill, who's you know a limited participant in practice on Thursday after missing last week, or Gus Edwards was your leading ball carrier, and then you you had Melvin Gordon up, and then Kenyon Drake, though Ken, Kenyon Drake had a fumble, right? Zay Flowers had a carry in that one as well. You just don't want to get into the situation where you're not getting consistent production out of the running back position because, yes, you've got Todd Munkin now who is going to – he's got an NFL-quality passing game with NFL-quality weapons on the outside now in addition to Mark Andrews. This is good, right? But you just don't want to become one-dimensional to the point where that's all you've got where, okay, now we have to pass the ball all the time. Because I think in the end, you don't, you, to, to, to me, it's like you don't run the ball to set up the pass anymore. You don't have to do that. Passing can work regardless. But you still got to be able to run the football at points. And I think if, if non-Lamar Jackson Ravens had run the football a bit better against the Colts last week, you probably win that game. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle the game plan this week again with Miles Garrett and and a, and a pass rush, a Cleveland pass rush that is going to be difficult. Can you slow them down with, with the run game with guys that aren't Lamar Jackson? Okay, because let's not have this. We already don't want Miles Garrett teeing off on your quarterback in, in the passing game. Let's not also give him a chance to tee off on your quarterback in the run game. Now, all that being said, 
I think that when you look at the overall, when you just look at this game on paper, the Ravens are still the better team. I believe they should win this game. I think that especially when you when you compare the offenses, I mean, I think if you compare the defenses, the Ravens have a better defense from top to bottom than the Browns do. I think that the the veterans that the I think the veterans that the Ravens have on the defensive side of the ball and the depth that they have have made up for some of the early season injuries. By the way, you might be about to get Marcus Williams back. He participated in practice in full on Thursday. That is a great sign. Kyle Hamilton, he was he was limited in practice on Thursday. You wonder if he's going to be able to give it a go. I'm sure he's going to try to. Um, that would be huge given how big he was as a pass rusher in addition to what he does. He, he can really do anything in this defense. But having Marcus Williams back, especially if Kyle Hamilton is not able to go, would be massive. And and then I think on the offensive side of the ball, look, I, I just think the Ravens' offense is, especially with no Nick Chubb, I think this is going to be the big deal here. There's no Nick Chubb. Then I think the, the Ravens' offense has an absolutely clear advantage in, in that regard, in addition to just having the better quarterback. I trust Lamar Jackson so much more than I trust Deshaun Watson, who did have his best game as a Brown last week. That did happen. Not going to shade that. But that was also against the bad Tennessee Titans team, so I'm going to shade it just a little bit. Um, but again, on both sides of the ball, I think that the Ravens are better. So I'm looking at something. I mean, look, it's probably, it's probably not going to be a, a, as high a score as maybe you would think. It's probably going to be something like a like a like a 21 to 14 or like a like a 24 to 17 kind of game I think in the end because I think the Ravens defense is going to do plenty enough to make life hard on Deshaun Watson and then on the other side look again as long as as long as your playmakers are doing their thing this could be a big Zay Flowers like Devin Duvernay type game where it's like okay get the ball into the fast electric guy's hands let them do their thing in space run the ball just well enough get out of here with the win I think that's what's going to happen I believe in the Ravens, and you should too. That's why you're here at the Believe in Ravens podcast. I'm Kyrie Thompson. We're going to talk more about the game and such after it's done. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.